Welcome to the Sign My Book Podcast. My name's Lisa McFadden, and I'm your host, bringing you each week inspiring interviews with screenwriters and novelists alike so that we can learn how they work around parenthood, jobs, and the general craziness of life. And if they're an author, I hope they'll sign my book. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Lisa, and welcome back to Sign My Book. And today, we have Angela Belford, and Angela writes nonfiction books. And we're going to hear from her because I know a lot of people out there want to write some nonfiction. It is not edited or basically written the same way as fiction, of course. And so we will get some fantastic insight from her. She is a seasoned business owner since 1999, a passionate life coach. She's a celebrated speaker and the author of the book, Be Freaking Awesome. Today, she has a new book out called Traveling Light, and she is going to, we're going to talk to her a little bit about that and all kinds of stuff. She's in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, where I oddly know a lot of people, even though I don't live there. So she is the mother of three adults and mom by marriage to two, bonus mom to countless others, and proud Lala to Henry and Peter. Anyway, welcome, Angela. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. After you were on my podcast last year, then it's fun to get to be back on yours. Oh my goodness, my son. You totally hijacked your uh, conversation <laughs> and made you life coach him through uh, disc golf. Oh, oh that's right. Anyway. Yes. But, you know, I mean, how better than to uh, be an example other than to just give an example on the episode? That's so awesome. Yeah, I love this. I love that I'm being able to give back and uh, provide a platform for everybody who's writing. So I think that's, I think it's awesome. And first of all, I love that you are such a positive person and so just a light, happy energy all the time. And you just are like, oh, I'm just going to write. This is how it comes across. I could be totally wrong. I'm going to write a book. And then you just go write the book. And a lot of people do not do that. So first of all, give us an idea of like what inspired you to start writing a book in the first place. Yeah, just like where your ideas come from and, and stuff like that. Well, we didn't talk about beforehand whether or not I could tell you from my faith perspective, but I hardly can tell the story without sharing it from my faith perspective. So I hope that's okay. If you don't share my faith perspective, that's fine. You can fill in the universe or whatever. But anyway, the first two books, I didn't want to write. <laughs> I would say I felt compelled to write. The first was compelled to write a book in 2014. My son loves to tease me that I've actually written three books and one of them I just threw away. Because at the end of 2014, I hated the book. It, it was a very sad, pathetic memoir. I thought that I had actually put everything in the second book. I mean, in the book that the only book, the first book I published, but I recently reread it and I was like, oh gosh, he's kind of right. Anyway, so I hated that one. I said, okay, when I get ready, Lord, tell me and I'll start again. And in 2016, it was like, okay, it's time. And you just feel this like, come on, it's time. So that one, I still had kids at home. So I set the alarm for 5.30 every morning. I got up and I wrote for 30, 45 minutes. The first week or so, I was just whiny, complaining, hated, hated my life. And I, I love speaking. And so I showed up at this 
event. I was supposed to be one of three speakers. I get there. The organizer says, change my mind. It's all you. And I go, dude, I have 15 minutes. She goes, go. And I went, all right, let's go. And I was like, something about the way she said it. I told my husband, I said, I need you to record this. because I think it's going to be good. And uh, at the end of the talk, I said, here's the bottom line, you guys, if you want to be successful in business, you just need to be freaking awesome. My friend writes, be freaking awesome by Angela Belford. It makes me sign it and we get a picture. And so I was like, that's a book I can write. And essentially, I was answering the question, how do you go from living in four families, you were a client of Salvation Army when you were a teenager, lots of hunger, sexual abuse, all kinds of hard, hard childhood. How do you go from that to like all this awesome? Because I don't look like somebody that was homeless for, a, you know, off and on for most of my childhood, right? And so I just was answering that question. I was like, here's what I did. And I think you can follow it too. One of the chapters was called Address the Fears. And as I published, as I started getting through the edit process, I started having panic attacks, which I took to mean, clearly you don't know what you're talking about. You're obviously imposter syndrome, just smacked me in the face. So I decided that it might be easier to end homelessness in my community than promote my book. Wow. I know. It seems insane right now, but it seemed logical at the time. Like logic need not apply, right? To imposter syndrome. And okay. I was a homeless advocate. I have a cool TED talk and all the things. And that led me to a job running the Fayetteville Housing Authority. And that led to a couple of years later to me being, that job is great if you want to end homelessness. It's terrible if you're an entrepreneur. It's a terrible job. <laughs> turns out you need to worry about keeping boards happy. And turns out you need, you know, there's a lot of people to be happy. And I don't particularly care to make everybody happy. I was getting results. Literally got a million dollar grant and three weeks later was fired. <laughs> so then I had to actually like deal with my crap and go, well, why was I having panic attacks? And my therapist was sweet. And she'd been telling me for a while, you need to feel your feelings. I go, pumpkin, I do feel my feelings. Why do you think I want to eat more brownies and drink more whiskey and watch more Netflix? And she goes, no, you want to avoid your feelings. And I'm like, what the crap does that even mean? And I had meditation people and yoga people, you know, I'd felt in Christ which is a methodology for getting into your body and try to explain all this crap to me. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, y'all don't, I don't even know what you're saying. Like a foreign language. So my book traveling light was written about like, what is happening? Why am I having panic attacks? Okay. What does this feel your feelings mean? My first book was all about why you should be a positive thinking, why positive thinking is going to solve your problems. And my second book is basically should be subtitled Why Positive Thinking is Not Enough because there's some crap in your head that you got to get rid of first. So there's my story. That's my journey. <laughs> it's kind of the overview. Okay. Because you tapped on some things that I know just my previous, you know, coaching and my own experience as a writer and just everybody I've interviewed so far. So you had this first book, which was a memoir, and you tossed it because you didn't think it was good enough. Okay, okay, we're going to just pause right there. Don't worry, I'm not going to coach you on the podcast. But is there a chance that maybe you feel like you could go back to it? I mean, based on what I know the third book is about, I'm sure I'll have to revisit it. I actually have a very sweet friend who willingly read it. 
because I was like, I'm going to need help like excavating this stuff. And I would say there's probably some stories in there that did already have made it in the first two books. And I feel like that that book was really, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was cathartic. I needed to get it out of my head. It was called Lessons from a Sailboat because when I was about 29, I remember just kind of lamenting to God, why is my life so hard? Why do I just keep having to row and row the boat and row the boat? And it felt like he said, honey, I need you to put the oars down and realize that you are in a sailboat and that you need to like stop rowing and you need to walk upstairs and you need to stand behind the, the wheel I'm going to be the wind and we're going to decide together how we're going to sail it. I actually even went to San Francisco for my 41st birthday and went and did a sailing lesson in San Francisco because I was trying to get my head around this idea. And that story has made it through some process. The point of the book was like, my life has sucked. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So I just at the end was like, you know, most of the time people probably they write books because they like to speak or they write books because they want to coach, right? Those of us that are not doing these big publisher things. And I couldn't tell that story over and over again. It was just so not full of hope. And so I am just a hope fiend. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why I couldn't. (laughs) Well, I feel like I always do this wrong if it's an analogy or a metaphor, you know, whatever. But it's one of those for surrendering rather than controlling the process. And so I thought that actually what you just said was really beautiful. And I know there are writers that like, you know, sometimes you can write a memoir and bring attention to a specific topic. But for the most part, (laughs) memoirs are like, here's this shitty experience I had. And I'm okay. <laughs> right? I just read one about a woman who was addicted to Ativan. And it's kind of weird. You want to say, oh, it was really good. But you don't want to say that it was good. This poor woman had this horrible experience. But man, I could not put it down. Anyway, other than that, I want to know, like, basically, how long did it take you to write each book? Are you refining a process? Did you get faster, slower? I felt like I was like urged out of bed each morning for a couple of weeks to go, you're going to share about this on Facebook Live. And I was like, oh, no, Lord, I'm not. Mm -mm. No, that'd be a hard no. And two hours later, I'd be on Facebook Live going, so I guess we're going to talk about grief today. So I guess we're going to talk about grief and marriage. We're going to talk about emotions. And I had about eight to 10 of those. It wasn't every day. It was just like when I felt pushed out of bed. And all of a sudden I called one of my girlfriends and I was like, am I writing the outline for a book? Oh my God, what is happening? She's like, I hope so. I'm learning so much. And people were responding to my story. They were responding to the vulnerability. It was raw. It was very raw. And and I am a huge believer that somebody has to go first on being vulnerable. And I have just had so many situations where it has paid off for me in relationship beautifulness that I am really pretty vulnerable. Like I've just cultivated that ability. And honestly, like when it's sort of like you've survived all this other stuff, like you really can't. 
So my process, I cried a lot because I was like, I don't want to do this again. This was a horrible experience. I didn't enjoy it. And my husband was like, so how serious are you about writing the second book? And I'm like, I've never won an argument against God. But I mean, I'm literally like this for like weeks of just mopey and everything. And he goes, well, Bob Goff is having a writer's conference. And he knows that I'm like, I don't fangirl. But Bob Goff, like, oh my gosh, he's awesome. And so he said, here, he's having a writer's conference in a few weeks. Here's credit card. Why don't you go? And so I went, oh my gosh, you saw how much money we invested in the first one and that we didn't get a lot of return from that investment. I think I distributed about 600 copies over the years that that one was out. I didn't sell all those, but I gave some away. And so for him to believe in me really meant a lot. So Bob's method was you write all your stories and then you figure out what your message is. And so I kind of feel like I wrote two books. So I wrote all of the stories. I, mean, I still don't know what my book is about. <laughs> and I wrote like almost every day for five months. And I would just go, I don't know. What is this about, Lord? I don't know. I was pouty. <laughs> and so I just like listened. I quit drinking because I really wanted to just be in my whole self and really tune in. And so it was about five months in that this one day, I mean, it was just flying out of me and I read what I wrote and I went, oh, I know what my book's about now. Cool. That process, that was five months in. I would say that I then started figuring out like, what am I going to teach? And to figure out what you're going to teach, I had to learn it. I had to actually figure out how to feel my feelings. I went through grief recovery therapy. I went through this other bending reality thing. I went through this other thing and I was getting life coach certified. And then I one month decided I'm just going to coach anybody that'll let me. And I coached 24 people in one month. And from that process really developed a coaching method that even though I was getting life coach certified, I was not my first book says your thoughts create your feelings, but I knew that there were some extra emotional stuff that I was carrying around that was causing some thoughts before I ever had a conscious thought. I could have published about 16 to 18 months into the process, and I would have been able to tell you this is the process that worked for me. It took me about two and a half years before I finally published. And at that point, I know that this book will help you get freedom. I like, I have such confidence that the information that you learned, the coaching method that I developed, like you will get mental freedom from this book. And so I lamented the extra year. I cried a lot about the extra year. I had to feel some feelings. I had feelings about my feelings, like the whole thing. But now it's just beautiful. And even like one of my early readers was like, Angela, you've been my coach for eight months and I trusted you, but now I've read the book and I understand what you've done and I understand your method now. And it felt like he got kind of a guide process. So I think my method, that the traveling light, I hope to never have to do it again. <laughs> like that, where I just like fall. Oh, my first one, I followed an outline and it was different parts that were painful. I've helped three other people publish their book and it's, I just try to convey to them like it is the most, I mean, you're just getting naked in front of the world and you're sitting by yourself so much of the time. <laughs> so you're like lonely and isolated while you're feeling naked in front of the world. I mean, it's the most bizarre experience in my opinion, nonfiction books at least. So I'm excited to do the third one, hoping that it won't be so bad. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, like you were saying before we started recording, you already have it outlined, right? This, Yeah, the next book. Because here's what happened is that I was in the process of this book, writing it, and all of a sudden one day I come out of my office and I'm just like practically laying on the floor. My husband's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, I had to take like 8,000 words and start another document called book three. And I'm like, and that's so horrible for so many reasons. Number one, now I'm short 8,000 more words. And number two, that means I have to do this again. <laughs> I don't know how anybody writes a book after they talk to me because I'm just like, and I do when I've coached the people or helped them through the publishing process. They're like, but this is how it feels. I know. Mm-hmm. I know panic attacks that'll like bring you to your knees and you can't even like think or breathe and they're like well they're not that bad yeah i know yeah no i mean you know i've just heard i'm so excited i only had like one panic attack this whole process for this book i cried a lot more but but i only had one hopefully in the next one you won't have the panic attacks yeah i was feeling good <laughs> considering i had spent like six months like just didn't even know when it would hit just smack me upside wow. the head so you mentioned that you have a reader or you had a reader of your book. Some people like use their following to put together a cluster of like beta readers or arc readers, whatever. Have you had the same people in place for both books or you're building as you go along? Nope. The first book I very much did, I very isolated and I got done. And then I thought I could just hire an editor and I spent a lot of money and that was not effective. It wasn't very good. Um, the second one I did have, I had probably eight to 10 beta readers, which at some point got a lot too much because they were just very different perspectives. And so like there were people that would say, I don't understand why this story is here. And other people are like, this story just, it's too long and all these things. So then I ended up like going, okay, enough's enough. And I hired a developmental editor, which at the time, probably most of the time people wouldn't hire a developmental editor when you've already got the 50,000 words. But I was struggling to get it into a good order, into a good flow. My editor said, Angela, there's two books here. One of them is Angela Storyteller, and then one of them is Angela Researcher. <laughs> and we got to get these meshed into the same voice. And so she did, you know, the developmental edit, we cleaned it up, and then she did the like, line edit and then I cleaned it up and then she did the final proofread and then I still had another person proofread it after that and then I had what would probably be considered advanced readers I probably had three or four uh, which was better and the, the book was in much better shape at that point so certainly learning as I go my daughter was one of my beta readers and she would push me really, really hard. And she's like, mom, here's the thing is the book is good and it could be great. Like, I want to keep pushing you. She said, I've edited stuff because she edits like blog posts and stuff for our agency. I've edited things that are like, fine. I'm not going to make them. There's no way I can make it great. They're fine. But yours is good. So I want to make it great. And so she pushed me pretty hard and encouraged me a lot in the process. So. Oh, that's nice. That's great. I'm like sitting here going, hmm, can I send her something? <laughs> it sounds like, and I've run into that problem too, of like asking too many people to give notes and then just not being 
very specific, you know, it's like, oh, here's my draft, give me some notes. And what I always think is like, if it comes back, you send it to eight people, and there are eight different perspectives, there's nothing wrong with it. Because some people think that they just need to give some notes, because you ask for notes, so they're going to tell you what they like and what they don't like, but not necessarily what's really good for the book. Right. And it sounds like that's what your daughter's driving at. I want to push you. This is good. I want to make it great. So we can tweak this. We can move this. We can do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And there were pieces of each one. There were like this person, I could trust them to like when I needed a little more detail, they could, they would hone in on those details that I'd forgotten sentences and things like that. So that I would probably like to cultivate that readership a little better on the next one. Yeah, because like if you got like eight people come back and they're like, oh, this story is too long, then you're like, okay, let me edit this story down, right? But if some people like a long story, some people don't, some people want more stories, some people don't, you know? So then it gets kind of like, well, okay, the story is fine. I can tweak it a little, but I'll move on to something else, right? So... I have a sweet friend who's a little bit like has kind of become like a mom and she read every version of the book from the like roughest draft. And she would be like, I know where you're going. I'm a math teacher. She's a retired math teacher. I don't know how to help you get there, but I think. And so she would give me enough encouragement that I could keep going. And but what's funny is that she got kind of annoyed at the end result because she goes, they took out too many stories in chapter two and three. I think there should be more stories. It's too boring. And I was just like, and that one was hard to hear, but also two and three are pretty scientifically meaty. So I just, I, we culled down a lot of the stories there. So yeah, different people, different strokes. Right. That just sounds like you should put the memoir together. (laughs) (laughs) That friend is the only one that's read the memoir what she wants to read she's like oh these stories are so good and juicy and she's learning about you so yeah i mean i'm a huge fan of memoir so that's why i'm always like oh do that write it (laughs) tell us more so when you come up with a topic are you very very organized like okay here i'm gonna research it Because I know you just kind of gave us your process that took a long time. It was very emotional as you move through it. And then in the end, you wind up cutting all that out. But is there a period where you're like, okay, my next book, I'm getting these thoughts that I want to write about this. Okay, I need to stop and go research. I mean, like, how organized are you? Because some people are like, oh, I need to research it. And then they research for like three years. I might be one of those people. Well, and I found that with my topic, so one of the most beautiful compliments I got on my book was that there's a book that I quote like five times in my book. It's called The Body Keeps Score. Every therapist on the planet quotes it. It is heavy. It is textbook. It is steak. It's real. And someone said, if you want a primer on what the body keeps score, like the kindergarten version of the body keeps score is traveling light. And I just thought, what a beautiful, what a, I mean, it's just the most kind compliment I've ever received because I was like, I love that because number one, I wanted to write it when I was still new because a lot of people that I think have been doing somatic work and processing emotion in their body 
they're so far advanced that they forget what it feels like in the beginning. So there was an element where I wanted to kind of write it when it was early in that process. Um, I think that, you know, I tell my life coach clients that, and I've coached some life coaches when they've started their business. I tell them, you've got to talk about your transformation. And if you don't have a transformation, then you probably shouldn't be talking about it. And so there's an element where I hadn't completed all the transformation when I was starting to write the book. So then the edit process was actually, I think, a little bit more painful. I would say one of the things that I had to do was I had to limit my research. Anybody that actually does work in this emotional processing area, and if you are advanced in processing feelings in your body, then this is the kindergarten version. (laughs) And then there's plenty of people that are like, Angela, this is not kindergarten for anybody. This is like a lot. It's a very meaty guide. And there's polyvagal theory, which is a lot about like how your vagus nerve interacts with your body to clear stress. And I, on purpose, I was like, nope, I do not want to fall down that rabbit hole. So I know for my next book, I want to I want to know about that. And then the other thing is that what I know that the book is about, which is shocking, I know before I've I've even started writing it, is that I tell the story that I was, it was 2019. I mean, I started therapy back in, when I was 19. I haven't gone full throttle the whole time. I had a nurse breakdown at 24. I've been on this journey. I have been a professional development person. I was trained by Jack Canfield in 1999. I mean, I've been on this journey for a long time. So Imagine my shock and awe in 2019, 25 years into my processing, when my marriage therapist looks at me and goes, okay, so for this next phase, Angela, you're going to deal with your abandonment issues and Barry, you're going to deal with wah, 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 wah. And I'm like, cause I was like, what? My huh? And he's like, oh, you're kidding. I go, no, what are you talking about? Abandonment issues? No, no, no. I've been to therapy, honey. I've dealt with this, which is funny because that's what I told my therapist. I don't need to deal with grief. I've been to therapy, turns out. And so I start reading about abandonment and I'm like, oh my goodness. I thought those were just neat quirks and features of my personality. I just thought that's what made me adorable. (laughs) And I like, whoa. So so some of it, I have to experience the healing because I can't, talk about the transformation. If I don't do the transformation, some of it, I'm going to learn a little bit more about polyvagal theory. There's a little snippet in here about abandonment that is kind of the setup for the next book and, or for one of the next books. So am I very organized? No, I don't think so. Yes. I'm going to have to do some research. Was I still taking classes and research while I was editing? Yes. Cause I was like, I want to talk about this thing just right just right. And I think there are things that you know about that you understand. And there are things that you know, so well, you can teach it. And then if people that teach something and they make it sound complicated, it's because they don't actually understand it. And so for me, that's how I know if I understand something is I can explain it very simply. I can explain it in the most smallest detail, but people that try to make it like this big, huge, hard thing, it's because they don't really understand it. That's the goal. It'll just be for me to be able to understand abandonment and for me to understand how do you clean up your, your stress response, (laughs) symbolic bagel theory and, you know, 
Um, I think that applies everywhere, all types of writing that applies everywhere. I know that from my own writing and then working with other writers that the reason they have trouble when they reach a certain point in the story is because they themselves, you know, we're always in our stories, but you haven't made that transformation. So it's hard to write the character's transformation because you don't know how it's going to happen or like, what do they have to do to get this transformation? And so we live in this kind of stuck area. That's fantastic. I love that. That yeah, you can't write about it. And then also that's part of just like throwing it all out on the page and just letting it be there and maybe you publish it and it just goes away and that's fine. We all have stuff that we've shoved into the drawer never to see the light of day. I get a lot of people reach out to me. I'll get Facebook friends that'll tag me and say, hey, this person's writing a book. They want to visit with me. And I'm like, great, here's, you know, 30 minute calendar. I'm happy to visit with people. I don't know how people after they talk to me actually write books. And um, (laughs) I try and scare the crap out of people. Because then if you're committed after I have like given you the like, "Mm, no, this is really, it's like third year of law school, you know, like or first year of law school, they're trying to wash you out. I say there's three parts of writing. First thing is you got to write it. You got to write the manuscript. At that point, you do not have to decide if you're going to publish it. That's a different decision. So make the first decision. Am I going to write it? Because just because you write it does not mean you have to print it slash publish. Okay. The second decision you make after you write it is, am I going to print or publish it? Right. And I'm a self-published author. And so to me, publishing it, printing it, you know, it's kind of the same thing. And then the third step is, am I going to market it? Because the first book I pretty much hit publish and I like posted, hey, I got a book. And I changed my little Facebook cover photo. That was as much marketing as I did for like five years till I launched a podcast called Be Freaking Awesome. I'm like, oh, hey. And then I started reading the book and I'm like, oh, well, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> People would tell me they would download it because you can download it for free on my website, angeladelfer.com. You can download the first book for free. And um, people would be like, oh my gosh, I loved it. They would text me, chapter seven. <laughs> like, one, two, three. I didn't even know what chapter seven was. Oh, it just was beautiful. It was amazing. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So, anyway, so it's been helpful to people, but I didn't market it really until the last couple of years, until I started writing the second one. So that's why I tell people, there's three decisions you got to make. Am I going to write it? And just because you write it doesn't mean you got to print it. And just because you print it doesn't. And I have a client, one of my clients, he didn't, he doesn't market it. He wrote it. We got it edited. We printed it. He has a quiet little website and he's not ready. He's like super busy. He's a realtor. He's a real estate coach. He's like, he's crazy busy. He has two toddlers at home. And he goes, I wanted my kids to know what I've learned. And maybe at some point I'll market it. And he's not marketing it and feels fine about it. So that's why three. Yep. So if that can encourage people, write it. Yeah, I love that. That's great. That's fantastic. It should just like, it takes the pressure off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of people, a lot of us, we look at the outcome. I'm going to write a book. That is an enormous endeavor. Like, what if you just sat down and wrote, you know, a hundred words or something, and then, you know, just see what that starts to nudge you towards. What's it going to become? 
you know? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm a huge believer in if you do want to write a book, I cannot recommend highly enough Anne Lamott's book, Bird by Bird. Mm, that's such a good one. I've read so many authors, you know, uh, big name nonfiction authors, and you ask them, how did you get started? How did you finish? And like, I mean, 90% of them are like Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. I probably skipped that step between the manuscript that I threw away in writing. I think I read probably four or five books about writing just to like get my mindset right. But, but Anne Lamott, she's the button chair method. You sit yourself down and I follow my calendar, right? So I show up at appointments when I have a meeting. And so that's what I had to do with my writing is I just had to put a calendar on my a calendar event. That was Monday through Thursday for one hour. I wrote, I wrote for an hour or a thousand words. Sometimes it was just crap. Like I just saved the document as big, ugly first draft because that's what Anne says you're supposed to do. It's just a big, ugly first draft. She's doing like a webinar series or a class or something like that. And like Julia Cameron has been involved in it, you know, from uh, uh, the Artist Way books. And so I just picked up Cameron's Write for Life. And she talks about sort of that same method where you're just going to sit down every day and you're going to have the specified amount of time and you're going to write. And it doesn't matter what it is, but you're writing. You're just, like, sometimes she said she even just, she'll write postcards to friends. Just as long as the pen is moving across a page and she's sending these like beautiful notes to her friends, something like that. So I love that. I love that you followed that methodology. I mean, that does sound, well, not or, you know, organized, disciplined. That was the word I was looking for earlier. Disciplined. I think I had disciplined. I would agree with that. I don't know that I was that organized, but I was disciplined at sticking with that. I also think that the writing process is also probably three, three parts. In my opinion, there's the writing, which I have come to because I'm in the marketing phase, writing is like, oh, that was beautiful and amazing. And I loved that process, <laughs> which is crap, right? Because if you would have talked to me while I was in the writing phase, oh my gosh. So there's the writing phase. And then there's the editing phase, like your own edit, like you need to read back through it. And you need to finish every sentence. This is before you hire somebody. And I, that's the part I skipped in my first book. And I needed to finish every sentence and make sure it made sense. And then you actually have, I, I guess it's more of a proofreading, you know, where you hire an editor that is going to clean that up. And whether it's a developmental editor, a line editor, you know, you're, you've got it in good shape and you can proof it. There's a couple of different layers of editing process. But, but even that helped me to like, you could write just a big, ugly first draft and you can throw it away. <laughs> Ask me <all> <laughs> <laughs> got it all out you know um and then you can decide later to like go through and like organize your thoughts my first book i would say it started as a speech and i really honed the content in speech making because i'm i love speaking and so just whatever method works for it. oh i got stuck in this book oh i cried so much on chapter three and i finally gave it as a speech just the one chapter and that was that when I gave it as a speech, I went, oh, now I know it's broke. And I could, I fixed it. I could fix chapter three. I was like, it's two chapters. That's the problem. So whatever you're comfortable in. I think sometimes people don't know until they land on it like that. It's like, oh, hey, 
you know, or it can come in different ways or different times. You write your fourth book and it's a completely different process or something. So that's amazing. So you are self-published. Are you a Kindle person? You're on KDP or I guess that's what the inside folks call it. (laughs) My first one was only through Amazon and Audible. I actually did record it myself, the first one. And um, hired a sound engineer and went and read for two hours at a time. And then this time, actually just went into a recording studio and recorded it by myself. And then now my sound engineer is cleaning it up for me. My second one will soon be out on Audible as well. The second one I also put on Ingram Spark which is if you want your book to be available to independent bookstores, if you want it published on Walmart, Target, Barnes and Noble, then you work through Ingram Spark. Yeah, I've been hearing uh, a little more and more about them, actually. Where else can somebody get your books? On your website? Do you have it on your website? (laughs) I don't have it on my website because I don't really love going to the post office. So you can go to bookshop.org because that way you can choose a local bookstore and they will get credit for it. So bookshop.org, Barnes and Noble, you can get it there and then it's on Amazon. So if you go to my website, AngelaBelfer.com, you can get links to all of those sites. There's also a link at the top that says get an autograph. And if you want an autographed copy, what I have is I have these cool little book plates This is a neat thing. You can go to gotprint.com or Sticker Mule or anywhere and you can order these little things and they're stickers. So what I do is I actually had some cards made up and some little envelopes. You know, you can do this to print whomever. And so then I can write a thank you note. I can sign it. And then I just have to put a stamp on it. (laughs) That is how I do autographed copies. So you can just request that for free if you want me to sign the book, then you can do that. I feel like I upped my game on like marketing materials, but also on gotprint.com, you can go and you can order bookmarks. I used canva.com and I designed a little bookmark and that was what I used to promote my book before it came out. So it just said like pre-order the book go on and I handed it out and people don't throw it away like they do a business card. (laughs) So I loved my little, and they were not expensive. They were not very expensive at all. When I was in pre-order mode, I was traveling kind of a lot. And so I was handing those out on airplanes. (laughs) If I would meet my seatmate, I would just hand them my, my, instead of a business card, I would hand them my bookmark. And one of them made me sign it. Yeah, it was very fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And then this is my little banner thing. So yeah, you've got a step and repeat back there. And the book is called Traveling Light. And I love that because I'm going to put that got print and we'll put links to your book and everything in the show notes so that people can get to that really easily. I have a lightning round for you, Angela. And I know that I forgot to like tell you about it. Sometimes I prep people. Sometimes I don't. Um, whatever. <laughs> I forgot to send you my bio and my headshot. So we're even. That's fine. So, all right. So here we go. Favorite color. Purple. 
<laughs> purple. Yay. I think you're the first person to say purple. Yay. It was literally my wedding colors 30 years ago it was purple and green. <laughs> oh, pretty. I love those together. It's like flowers. Um, okay. So I think we kind of covered this a little bit. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Oh, man. I would say yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I listen to the still small voice in my head to tell me what to write. But when it comes down to it, I'm, I mean, I, I fly by the seat of my pants on a consistent schedule. <laughs> so I'm a disciplined pantser. How about that? Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's great. Um, early mornings or late nights? Early mornings. I love being up mm. late at night, but I just am not productive. I'm party. I can party with the, I yeah. have some really great stories. And <laughs> now that all my kids are grown, now I'm like hanging out with them sometimes, but not for productivity <laughs> early morning. It's like my hair, like productivity on the one side and party, party on, on the, the other, other side. side. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Um, Do you have a favorite fiction genre that you read? Oh my goodness. Yes. I'm such a nerd. I read Christian romance suspense. It's like NCIS meets Christian romance. (laughs) I hear so many new genres that I never have heard of before on here. This is so great. I love that. Do you have a favorite author? It would be my favorite author. Oh, golly, that's so hard. I would say, in fiction, I would say it is probably Dee Henderson, because she does do a really nice job with those Christian romance suspense. And then for nonfiction, I read everything John Acuff has put out. I'm actually in John Acuff's, my story of Be Freaking Awesome is in his latest book, All It Takes is a Goal. So I guess I would say John Acuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, yep, he's great. That's awesome. I have a whole bookshelf of Napoleon Hill, but Napoleon Hill kind of died like back, you know, in the 40s. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I have all of his books too. Big fan of his. And yeah, he's very Mm -hmm. popular. Do you have a favorite movie or a TV show? It could be either or. That's hard. Uh, I would say um, Hitch or Runaway Bride. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cute. Yeah. yeah. I love their character journeys. And then for a TV show, mm. I will have to say Ted Lasso because, oh my <gasps> gosh, the yes. writing is so good. Isn't and you have that such great best. character arcs. And you just, they're so, it's so funny and, and thought provoking and it teaches us how to be better humans and teaches us how to be men and women that are, you know, vulnerable. Anyway, it's beautiful. I love Ted Lasso. Yeah. Vulnerable. And, and like, it's okay to like have good feelings and be positive and have fun. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I, I feel like people frown upon fun <laughs> that uh, that isn't against the law. Do you like the country or the city? Are you a country or a city person? So that's interesting because I live in the country and I like that because I get to do what I want and shoot off fireworks when I want. Mm-hmm. But I, when I travel, I almost exclusively go to cities and I do not spend February in the United States anymore because it's too cold. And so I am 
bebopping through Central America. So we did Costa Rica last year and kind of out a little bit in the country. It was a smaller town. And this year we're going to do Panama and we're staying in Panama City. And I'm staying on like the 18th floor of this high rise. And I've never lived in a big city because I started having babies really young. And so I'm super pumped. So I may have a different answer soon about whether or not I love. But when I travel, I always go to the cities. Yeah, that's my thing. Forest or the desert? Oh, usually I hear mountains or beach. Um, Forest or the dead forest? Yeah. I love trees. I love woods. Yeah. You're very certain of it. Some people get really stumped on that. Um, And then favorite word? Oh, you know, I would say perseverance. And I have a new definition of perseverance. I don't know if it's a definition, it's a nuanced way for me to think about it. But for so much of my life, my perseverance was overcoming obstacles. And it was this constant need to overcome obstacles. And over the last few years, my life, my kids are grown. My business is 25 years old. Like I've lived in the same house for a long time. I have a very somewhat easy life. And so perseverance is being consistent too. And so like, even I recognize that just sitting in the chair every day, even when I'm not fighting against, because I found myself kept looking for things to fight against. And so I recognize that cultivating perseverance also can just be like sitting in the easy and sitting in the simple and then staying the course. And you know, the just heard this the other day that said the definition of insanity, you know, is we've all heard is that doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. However, if you are getting a good result, then that isn't insanity. It's perseverance to continue to do the things that helped you be successful so that you can continue success begets success. Right. And so there's a, a the perseverance I have a little post-it note. I have one post-it note because I hate paper. One post-it note that says, what if it's easy? What if it was easy? And that's, I've been trying to like be okay. I'm okay if it's easy. I love that. Yay. Yes. I love that so much. That is so awesome. I love that. Thank you for participating in my uh, very whatever lightning round. (laughs) It changes with every person. So except for favorite color, I always ask favorite color. Are you doing any speaking on your book? Can anybody see you speak about your book? Where can they see you speak about your book? Well, honestly, if you are part of an association and you need a keynote speaker Mm -hmm. and you want somebody that is fun and interesting and going to tell great stories, I would Mm -hmm. love for you to think about me for your association. If you have a book club that you want to do Traveling Light and you want me to pop on on Zoom, I would love to. I speak at a lot of different Toastmasters clubs. And so there's, if you have a virtual event of any kind, I'll be there. If you have a, a live event, I would love to do that as well, as long as it's not February, unless you want to come to Panama. Speaking, I've got one gig right now booked in February or in January in Fayetteville, uh-huh. Arkansas, but it's like for a 
an organization. So, but anyway, yeah, I'm open to speak and would love to speak. I'm looking forward to next year's conference season. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This has been so great. I'm so happy that you could be on my show and you're so positive. This is what listeners I was telling her before we started recording was just like, just such positive and light. And I didn't even know about your previous life and childhood and all the hardship. This is your perseverance. So amazing and wonderful. And I'm so grateful that you came on my show today. And we will have links for all of your stuff. Yeah, if you want to hear more from me, also, you can look at my podcast. It's called Be Freaking Awesome. And we explore lots of topics, everything from abandonment and attachment to friendships. And we talk about grief. And we have had, how do you talk to children about death? I mean, we've had some really a range of topics, but a lot of it is just how do you as a person walk through this life and be freaking awesome. And my daughter did a reel for us when I was in Costa Rica and I'm like rappelling down the waterfall. And she's like, whether you are rappelling a waterfall at 50 or you are (laughs) throwing a bounce house party for your kid and you're just jumping in the bounce house with your kid because you got littles, you still can be freaking awesome. You don't have to do this big giant life. You can be freaking awesome every single day. And so if you want inspiration to be freaking awesome, we'd love to for you to join us. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yes. Listeners, her podcast is so great and positive and wonderful. And it's, I think it's a great place to go and listen. Like we were talking earlier that if you're stuck in your story and you're needing the breakthrough, you may just find an episode because it is so varied with experiences on Be Freaking Awesome. You may just find an episode that'll help you start moving through that and um, break through to the other side of your story. There's a really good episode on the messy middle and there's really good on um, editing your book because we talked about how difficult the messy middle is for authors. And so we had two different authors come on and talk about that, like just ha- lamenting the editing process and and then the messy middle because we don't, nobody wants to talk about the messy middle. We want to talk about like, I started this thing and then it turned out great. And that's like a two year dash right and there's a lot in the middle so yeah there's some really good encouragement for authors we'd love to have you guys oh that's great yes i just wrote this down this is amazing i'm gonna go listen to those immediately <laughs> so anyway thank you again for being on the show and i cannot wait to because i am i really want this book and i would like for you to sign it Awesome. With your plate, your yeah. cool new plates that you put inside. <laughs> and that's, I think, what we have today for this episode of Sign My Book. And thank you so much again, Angela. Everything will be in the show notes, links to everything you can reach her. Also, when this episode airs, all of your links will, or Angela's links will also be in the link in bio on my Instagram page. So um, you'll be able to just like go direct, hit everything right there. Be sure to find, to uh, follow us also on Instagram at sign my book. And that's it until next week. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sign My Book. If you're a fan of the show, simply hit that follow button to subscribe and never miss an episode. Then 
head over to Instagram and follow us there at sign my book. Till next week, keep writing.